Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport news and sometimes interviews. This is episode 74, recorded October 30th, 2021. I'm your host, Charles Current. In today's episode, Ilco Solitaire Locks will cease to function soon, more car thieves targeting locksmiths, a locksmith shot at, a jeweler's safe tear gassed him, crack a safe and win a wine shop, what's the wafer for in a Bantam M2002, Speedlocks Tournament of Champion Updates, a Locksport Journey Story, Lockpicking Criminals, Products, Meetups, Sales, Giveaways, and more. You can subscribe to the audio version of the show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. If you don't already have a podcast app, you can find a podcasting 2.0 compatible app at newpodcastapps.com. You can subscribe to the video version of the show on YouTube or Odyssey. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. Full show notes with all of the links can be found at thelocksportscast.com. First up in the news, a recent post by SE Lock and Key on Twitter shared a notification Jason received that said, Ilco Solitaire Locks Obsolete. Immediate action required. Urgent product alert for Unican Ilco Kaba Solitaire Lock. Dorma Kaba has made multiple attempts to alert you about an issue that may impact your current lock system. Our records indicate that your property may be using the legacy Dorma Kaba Solitaire Magstripe Lock, also known as Unican Ilco Kaba. The technology on these locks will become obsolete and the lock may prevent access beginning 8 p.m. Local time on November 24th, 2021. Please visit www.solitairelockupdate.com immediately to complete a form, and one of our solution experts will contact you to discuss options and prevent interruptions in service. If you no longer use this lock, please disregard this notice. And it was originally thought that this was some sort of phishing attempt, but funny enough, it's not. Uh, an article on the Locksmith Ledger also says the Ilco Solitaire Lock 800, 850, 900, and 950 series locks and associated software, which were discontinued in 2013 by Kaba Ilco, now Dorma Kaba Canada, will become unresponsive and cease to operate on November 24th, 2021 at 8 p.m. local time. Dorma Kaba has several replacement options with up-to-date offerings available. And then also from the dormacaba.com support page, important product alert. If you own or use a product listed here, please read the following announcement. And the products listed are System 700 slash 700 2, the 710, 710-2, and the 740, the Ilco 76X and 77X and 79X series, Confident Ilco Q90. It says, Attention Ilco Magstripe and RFID customers, if you are a user of the Ilco lock models listed or pictured above, this alert is to inform you that Ilco Magstripe locks will no longer function beginning on November 24th, 2021 at 8 p.m. local time. In addition, RFID lock systems will lose their audit capability on this date. Dormacaba has developed an update solution for each lock model and system. To learn more about the issue and schedule a date and time for your update solution, please visit ilcosystemupdate.com or email Dormacaba directly. So it looks like they had a built-in end date on these locks. Now, whether that's because there's a security problem with them that they don't want to update, 
or whether this was built in from the beginning is unclear. Another reason why it may not be a good idea to go with a uh, complete smart lock solution. The vendor can then put you on one of those monthly plans, and if you pay, if you refuse to pay, your lock stop functioning. Maybe locks as a service, like everything else as a service is nowadays. That's uh, that could be your future. And it looks like HL Flake and Banner Solutions are continuing their march towards full integration. In a tweet that Jeff Moss tagged me on on Twitter, he included a picture of a note he received from Banner Solutions. The note reads, For decades, HL Flake remained committed to serving the locksmith and security professional community. You have helped us build our business, and we're excited to continue focusing on things that matter to you most. Our plan is to fully integrate all HL Flake systems into Banner Solutions as early as November 1st. And then they have a few steps that you should go to to ensure the transition is easy for you as a locksmith. So looks like that march is continuing on and they will be fully integrated soon. And I put this out on Twitter as well, but a quick reminder for locksmiths to be careful. An article published by CBS Channel 2 Chicago. Chicago car thieves now target locksmiths for key fobs and programming devices. This is similar to what what I reported to a few weeks ago that was happening in Milwaukee. It says, it's the latest target for car thieves. It's a device that doesn't look like much, but for crooks, it's the key to getting quickly behind the wheel of as many cars as they want. Robbers are targeting locksmiths and their fob programmers. Detectives issued an alert about two incidents and another one that happened just five days ago. It appears that someone called and said their keys were locked inside a car, and when he got there, they pulled out weapons and took whatever equipment he had in the vehicle. He was robbed at gunpoint in broad daylight. The robbery is similar to two others involving mobile locksmiths, police said, and the victims were responding to requests to reprogram vehicle keys. When they arrived, they're surrounded by two to four armed men and their vehicle reprogramming devices and key fobs taken so just be extra careful if you're going on a vehicle lockout or key reprogramming call especially if you're in the midwest because that seems to be where it's most prevalent at the moment but it could spread anywhere so just stay alert then from the daily mail we have an article by ted thornhill that says customers think we're crazy wine store owner puts their business up as a prize in a safe cracking contest Brody May and Max Venning are co-founders of the renowned Shop Cuvée and are willing to hand over keys to the customer that correctly guesses the code to either of their safes they've put in their two branch stores. And the owner says the stunt is is dreamt up as a marketing ploy to build up publicity around uh, their shop and a particular type of wine that I can't even begin to pronounce. When questioned, are they being serious? Would they really hand over the keys? Brody told the mail that they've done their math there's a one in 10 million chance that someone's going to guess it i'm a gambling man and i would give up the business i'm a man of my word and we're hoping we don't have to we're nervous but we will and it sounds like you actually have to guess the code i doubt they would it's an electronic lock with the keypad doesn't look like a super expensive one but i kind of doubt they would uh accept the opening by magnet routine Sounds like you actually have to guess the code before they will accept you as a winner. Over on Twitter, 
Sophie put up a tweet that said, going to work on an update for my safe cracking simulator. Any last minute feature requests? Not sure if they're still accepting requests, but I did enjoy reading some of the suggestions that were put up. Uh, Jan Willem put up maybe a borescope, small box that barely shows the three wheels from an odd angle, but not the lever or fence, which I thought was an interesting uh, add-on. Lock X put up tear gas and then provided a link to a story from the CDC titled Brief Report, Exposure to Tear Gas from a Theft Deterrent Device in a Safe. And I'm going to cover that story later in the Strange Lock Story section of this episode. Then Aaron Eldridge said, Group 2R locks have features to resist x-rays. Maybe something like that, or false gates, just some ways of extra challenge that isn't adding wheels. And Sophie replied, I have thought about different wheel materials that wouldn't be visible with the x-ray view, but mechanically it's the same as just disabling the x-ray. False gates are something I'm thinking about, but it would be tricky to implement given how I've made the wheel models. So doesn't sound like that's probably going to happen anytime soon. Unvisible Girl said C4 for when you give up so you can get revenge. And somebody else suggested Thermite. If I recall correctly, um, it'd be interesting to to enter into the program more as just a, a fun when you really give up, have at it. Anyway, thought it was interesting. I'll have a link to the tweet in there so you can check it out yourself. And good guy tweeted, want to see some great photos of padlocks? Check out keys and codes on Instagram. And I did, of course. And they have pictures of a variety of locks and keys, a nice collection of old, rare, unique, and unusual stuff worth checking out if you have an Instagram account. So I will have a link to that in the show notes. It's all visual, so not really going to fit in a podcast, but make sure you check it out when you're done. And also tweeted by a good guy was a tweet that said, the sleep and I were bantering about common physical entry methods, burglary tools versus sexy badge clothing to gain entry. Did a quick Google search and found a dozen photos I would like to comment on, reference their B&H tool choice and selection. The thread contains a series of about 13 pictures of criminals' toolkits with commentary, such as, here we have something different, security bits, lock picks, and a can of bear guard, not to mention the nail clippers. Hangnails can derail the entire operation. And a jack makes it look like he is used to lifting gates and spreading bars. A rope? Charlie Bronson's always got a rope. Few are ready for top-down entry. I like the uh, Charlie Bronson's got a rope reference. And if you get that, you have good taste in movies. And there's a new post on the Tool Black Bag blog by Josh Weirs. It says, as Walter stated in uh, Tool Black Bag post 2746, the good people from FIOPS have asked the participants of LockCon to open some locks in a variety of ways. These locks would then be forensically analyzed to figure out what actually happened to them. Of course, I opted for impressioning, because me. And Post has an embedded YouTube video from Joss's channel called FIOPS Forensic Tests Impressioning, showing him impressioning a lock that is actually mounted in a door in a frame, so not the usual at-the-bench stuff, making him actually work for it, but still... Very, very fast. Very impressive bit of impressioning there. I would like to know what they came up with for the uh, forensic results later 
since this was, I believe, in 2017 that this video was actually shot. So it would be interesting to find out what they actually saw after an impressioning attempt. Moving on to videos from a Reddit post by Abraham Pig said, I was inspired by the recent Bantam M2002 picking videos and made one that shows what the little wafer outside the core is for. The post contains a video on his channel called What the Wafer's For in a Bantam M2002. The description says, I partially gut a Bantam M2002 to explore what the wafer on the outside of the core is for. And if you want to know more about the Bantam M2002, there are a couple of very recent videos, one by Lock Noob and one by Michael Gilchrist for picking those, and Lock Noob does a full gut on his as well. So you can go check those out. Links will be in the show notes to all of those. And Jerry Riggs Everything put up a video called I Am Not the Lockpicking Lawyer. The description says, There have been many rumors floating around that the lockpicking lawyer and I are one and the same. Today, it's time to put those rumors to rest. I am most definitely, indeed, not the lockpicking lawyer, nor is the lockpicking lawyer myself. If we were the lockpicking lawyers, the space-time continuum would be totally out of whack, and we wouldn't want that. Today we are testing out a $300 facial recognition lock, which has a very catastrophic design flaw. It's a fun little video. It's a fun collaboration between Lockpicking Lawyer and Jerry Rig Everything. So if you are a fan of either one, I recommend you go check it out. And even if you're not, it's a good mix. Basically, they swap back and forth between the voiceover being done by Jerry Rig Everything and Lockpicking Lawyer, so you can hear the differences in the voice. And Mr. Black Magic put out another one of his excellent lock cam videos. This one on the Eva Dual 2x6 slider with false gates. So in the video, he uses the 3D printed gutting key designed by a community member, Rainder, which is available on Thingiverse. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So you should check that out. It is an interesting lock design and requires. While the special gutting key is not required for gutting it, it definitely makes it a lot easier, and Mr. Blackmagic does a good job of explaining why that is and showing how it helps, so definitely should check that out if you were ever thinking about picking one of those. And first up in products this week, Mad Bob's Picks appears to be doing another limited run, taking pre-orders via Facebook, like I think they did last time. They said, we are now taking pre-orders for the Ghost Pro Set, Pry Bar Set, Curved Pry Bar Set, and the Jackknife. The costs are, Ghost Pro is 45 pounds plus shipping. The Pry Bar Curved Set is 28 pounds plus shipping. The Pry Bar 3 Straight and 3 Curved, 28 plus shipping. And the Jackknife, 65 plus shipping. And it says to email them if you are interested in any of those. And their email is attached to the post, so I have a link to the post in the show notes. And Cycle News reviewed the Hiplock D1000 U-Lock that I talked about a couple weeks ago, the one that's supposed to be immune to portable angle grinders. Ifisk said in the tweet where he shared it, new U-Lock review, the price will stop most enthusiasts from really testing it. The retail price is listed as 250 pounds or 345 US dollars. And the Cycle News review for the Hiplock D1000 was written by Josh Ross, and the synopsis here, they say, our verdict, there is no other lock on the market that competes with the features of the hip lock D1000. It can resist a portable angle grinder attack. It's the same silhouette as other U-locks, and it's light enough to easily carry. 
and their pros. Soft touch coating won't scratch your bike. Recessed keyhole protects against lock picking and weather. Double locking tabs require two cuts to break open and resist angle grinder attack. The cons, the price, and the carry pouch is optional and there's not an included bike mount. So, like I said, the MSRP is currently listed as 250 pounds, 345 US dollars, or via the Kickstarter, the price is currently 200 pounds or 224 pounds with the optional carry pouch. Moving on to meetups, we've had several that have already taken place, but we still have the Lockpick AR space, part of the Eco Party Security Conference 2021. It is running November 2nd through the 6th online. It says Eco Party is the meeting point for the InfoSec community. Join the largest hacking conference in Latin America. Talks in English and Spanish with live translations, workshops, activities, networking challenges, visuals, music, and more. And tickets are available. Lock Camp taking place in Lockhart State Park, Lockhart, Texas, the weekend of November 12th through the 14th, and says to share the great outdoors and skills of Locksport in a friendly, safe environment for everyone involved. We have one rule, don't be a jerk. If you are one, you may be asked to leave and not return to another Lock Camp or any Bobcat Locksport-sponsored event. Please treat your fellow Locksporter, Lockpicker, Hackers, Makers, etc. as you would want to be treated. And I think that's a good rule for everyone. And we have an update to the Speedlocks Tournament of Champions. They say congratulations to our fourth round Speedlocks Tournament of Champions winners. And in match one, we had a close match. Lemon came in with a time of 13.847 versus Reed's 15.649. So Lemon wins that round. And in match three, Heavy Metalhead versus Sir Paradise. Sir Paradise wins the round with a time of 4.534. So the final round will be between Lemon and Sir Paradise. So congratulations to both of you, and we look forward to seeing what times you put out final round. Now it's time to take a quick break, say thank you to the people that made this episode possible. The producers for this episode include all of the Patreon subscribers, including Medler, Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starlock, Williams Brain, Dave to be deciphered. Pat from Uncensored Tactical, PH Picker, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Cherelle, Patty Cakes, Dr. Hogmaster, Clayton Howard, aka Cool Tune, Mog, John Locke, Rat Yoke, Mr. Picker, Cranky Lock Picker, Real Tater, JHP Picking. The chief content producer for this episode by a slim margin this week was Cherelle again. And other content producers for this episode Dr. Hogmaster, Froggy Picker, Good Guy, aka BNA A to Z, Ifisk, Jeff and Things, Jeff Moss, Joe Picks, Joshua Gonzalez, Mr. Black Magic. Panda Frog, Tequila Dave, and Tony Varelli. Thank you to all of you for your support. And remember, the show is only possible because of that support. So if you get value out of the show, please help support it by sending in your news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that's Locksport related that you think the community would enjoy knowing. You can send it to podcast at thelocksportscast.com. Everyone has their own little bits of the internet or real life communities that they inhabit and You may know something that other people don't. It may be common in your area, but not in others. So share it with me and I will share it with the rest of the community through this podcast. That is the biggest thing you can do to help the show is share your information. Other ways you can help. Share the podcast with your lockpicking friends, either in person or online. The more people that are listening, the more people that can contribute. 
You can leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform or leave a comment, a thumbs up on YouTube or Odyssey. If you want to support the show financially, you can subscribe via Patreon or donate via PayPal. Patreon subscribers do get a private RSS feed that gets them the audio version of the show about a day early usually. That's really the only benefit you get. So that's completely optional and up to you. If you support the show with a donation or information that I use on the show, I will give you credit in the show and in the show notes as a thank you for helping out. And quick reminder that I am still accepting Locksport journey stories. Anybody who has an interesting story of how Locksport helped them or how the community helped them with Locksport or anything else that you think is unique about your story or your progression through Locksport, please share it with me and I will share it on the show. You can also leave feedback. Go to locksportscast.com slash contact. Feedback can be kept confidential or I can share it on the show. Your choice. You're welcome to submit a note, video, or audio recording. Just remember to keep it a reasonable length, polite, work and family safe, and no politics, no drama. And we do have a Locksport journey story this week. And this is My Journey into Locksport by Tequila Dave. He says, I have always been interested in locks and puzzles. By the age of 10, I was picking my school briefcase, shimming locks, slipping latches, and decoding combination locks, never to do anything nefarious, just to see if I could get it open. My father served at Blacktree Park during the war, and I'm sure some of that code cracking has rubbed off on me. Back in around 2000, I was working as a sysadmin cable monkey general techie dog's body for a computer disaster recovery company and was... Asked to open a storage unit containing about 300 client hard drives as the keys were lost. Rather than drilling the lock and damaging the cabinet, I thought I'd look into picking the lock. I read the MIT Guide to Lock Picking, found some lock pick templates, and a video. This was five years before YouTube existed on how to make your own picks and tensioners out of an old hacksaw blade. I had a workshop at work, and before I knew it, bosh, it was open. This sparked a reinterest into lock picking, and I made a few more picks and got some old locks to practice on, and even found a friend who had a set of Southwards, which were then very difficult to get in the UK. After a while, I lent out my homemade pick set, never for it to be seen again, and I forgot all about it. Fast forward to 2017. Whilst I was away one weekend, DJing at a friend's birthday party, my girlfriend was struck down with severe brain damage. We are still unsure why. She was a type 1 diabetic, and we think she may have fallen into coma at night and choked. She was hospitalized and unable to communicate. I fell into deep depression and ended up going into counseling. One of the things that was recommended to me was to find a hobby to distract my mind. I did a little research and was pleasantly surprised that all manner of tools were now available to buy online, as well as loads of good videos. I was hooked. I joined the UK Locksport .co.uk forum and lurked for a while. I eventually plucked up the courage to introduce myself and my story and was instantly glad I did. The Locksport community has been great to me and I have dived in head first. What a wonderful bunch of people restored my faith in humanity. Over the last year, both my girlfriend and father have died. He was 96, she was 40, but I have been able to deal with it so much better with having my Locksport distraction. To call it a better word, UKLS and the general Locksport community has become such a part of my life now, and I'm not sure where I would be without it. 
I can now pick at least two of the red belt locks, as well as manipulate an SNG67XX safe lock, but see myself more at a brown or purple belt to be honest. Even then, it depends on the mood I'm in and if I've been picking recently. One of the things I like about the UKLS forum is the January challenge, or the 1,000 locks in a year. Repetitions are allowed after a few months. As I firmly believe, the more you pick, the better you maintain your skill. There have been many times I have lapsed from picking, and then find a lock I could pick during a TV ad break suddenly takes me 20 minutes. As a note to finish, I would just like to give a big shout out to everyone who has helped me through this difficult time. From the big names like Lockpicking Lawyer and Locknoob who have taken time to respond to my emails, to lesser known people like Gaz dragging me out of spiraling into Andy Mac comments when I was down. Getting back, Locksport is one of the best things I've done in my life. And I used to break dance with Sasha Baron Cohen in Covent Garden back in the day. Me mate Dave, etc. But that's another story. Stay safe, Tequila Dave. That's a good, uh, that's a really good story. And I'm sorry for your loss, losses, but this community is amazing. And as far as your comments about you see yourself more as a brown or purple belt, to be honest, yeah, well, I think there are a bunch of us that feel that way. I mean, I'm technically a black belt now, but it's not like I could pick most of these locks in real life. It's a, it's a practiced skill, very much like you say, and the more you do it, the better you get. So when you have people that do nothing but pick high security locks, they get really, really good at it. Those of us who spend most of our time picking lower security locks and practicing on those are never going to be quite as talented at the high security locks. So if you've picked the two red belt locks and done the SNG safe, I'd say you're well on your way to proving you are a black belt level picker. So keep it up. For the locksmith story this week, we have Trooper's Arrest Man Wanted in Jacksonville shooting on I-295, as reported by WOKV out of Jacksonville, Florida. They say the Florida Highway Patrol says a man was taken into custody without incident on charges stemming from an altercation on September 1st where someone opened fire on Interstate 295. The suspect is now facing an attempted murder charge as well as other felony charges, according to the Highway Patrol. According to the arrest warrant, the shooting happened on I-295, but the victim first came across the suspect at a gas station. Troopers responded to an area where the shooting happened early on September 1st and found a large caliber bullet hole in the back of a vehicle. The investigation revealed the victim works for a locksmith's company and was called to the gas station to help a customer. When the victim arrived, the accused shooter was helping customers, so the victim took pictures of that man in case there was any damage done to the vehicle. Everyone left the gas station after the door was open, and then the victim noticed a vehicle approach on the beltway before shots were fired. The victim told investigators the person who fired the shots matched the description of the man who was trying to help the customer at the gas station. According to the warrant, the customer at the gas station confirmed the story of what happened leading up to the point where they left the area. Investigators checked surveillance cameras and identified the suspect. So there's no indication in the story why there may have been some animosity and shooting going on there. And the report gives a one-sided to this. Technically, we don't know if there was some instigation on the other side or not. All we get is the complaint that the warrant was established on. 
So there could be a lot more to the story that could come out in further uh, investigation. But a good reminder, again, for locksmiths to be careful. You never know. You are on the front lines, just like a lot of other first responders. You never know who you're going to run into or who might be, in the case of Chicago or Milwaukee, luring you out to take advantage of you and rob you. So stay alert. For the strange lock story, we have the story from the CDC that was mentioned on Sophie's Safe Cracking Simulator post on Twitter. It's titled Brief Report, Exposure to Tear Gas from a Theft Deterrent Device on a Safe, Wisconsin, December 2003. It reads, On December 4, 2003, a hazardous material release occurred at a jewelry store in Beloit, Wisconsin, when the store owner tightened a screw on the door of an old safe outfitted with a chemical theft deterrent device. The device included a metal housing containing a glass vial of liquid, which cracked as the screw tightened releasing approximately four ounces of tear gas. The store owner sustained eye and skin irritation and was treated at a hospital and released. Twelve persons in the building and persons in adjacent businesses were evacuated for three hours while a certified Level A hazmat team, city firefighters, and emergency medical technicians responded to the release. This report summarizes the response to this event and underscores the need for persons who use old safes and vaults to know how to identify these devices and avoid tampering with them. Beginning in the 1920s, certain safes and vaults included, or were fitted with, theft deterrent devices containing chemical vials. Several different tear gas agents were reportedly used in theft deterrent devices. The metal casing of these devices usually is approximately 3 inches wide and 6 to 8 inches tall. The theft device is fastened to the back of the safe door with screws. A major manufacturer of these devices was located in Wisconsin during the 20s through the 50s, and other companies sold similar devices. One such device was found in an Iowa bank in 1999 after a vial shattered, releasing tear gas and causing a pregnant bank employee to suffer eye, skin, and throat irritation. The number of these devices sold or still in circulation is unknown. Chloropicrin was used as a chemical weapon during World War II. Documented symptoms of exposure include irritation to the eyes, skin, and respiratory system, tearing, cough, pulmonary edema, nausea, and vomiting. Persons who use or are around older safes and vaults, example, bankers, jewelers, locksmiths, and vault technicians, should know how to identify these devices and should avoid tampering with them. If a device is identified, only trained persons, like experienced locksmiths or hazmat personnel, should attempt to remove or neutralize the devices. In addition, appropriate protective equipment should be used when attempting to dismantle these devices. If the contents of a device are released, the area should be evacuated immediately. Persons who have adverse health effects, like skin and eye respiratory irritation, should seek medical attention immediately. So again, be careful, locksmiths. I'm sure you've already been trained on that if you were a safe and vault technician, but just a quick reminder. And for any of you thinking about buying an old safe at an antique store or an estate sale, might be something to think about. First up in criminal news, we have an article called Relay Thieves Steal Kia Sportage in a Minute from Birmingham Driveway. This is from the Birmingham Live, written by Nick Horner, and isn't it a great catch of thieves on camera? They have the video on on this page if you want to go watch it. 
thieves actually using a relay attack. You get them scanning for the fob in the house and actually stealing the vehicle. So let's go into this story just a little bit here. It says, car thieves struck again in Birmingham suburb by simply waving a bag near a house to unlock and start the vehicle outside. The theft took place in a cul-de-sac shortly after midnight on Wednesday, October 13th. CCTV footage shows a hooded man holding a messenger-style bag up near the front of the home and the front door until the white Kia Sportage pings and opens and starts. In less than 60 seconds, a relay device in the bag has triggered and repeated the car's fob signal, allowing the thieves to gain access and drive off, all without the need to break into either the house or the car. Homeowner Gary McGillan said he went to sleep and less than a quarter of an hour later, his wife's Kia Sportage was gone. He says he went to bed at midnight and 14 minutes later, the car was gone. He got a text message from his camera system, but they have neighbors who are 18 and 25 and he thought it was one of them coming home. It took less than two minutes from when they were outside the property and less than a minute from when they are by the front door. He says they turned up in a silver Ford Fusion, one stayed in the car, one by the driver's door of our car, and one came to the front door, and then they started the engine and were off. The Kia Sportage was just six months old. Gary has spoken to others about the theft and believes it is the same people carrying out a car crime wave in the area. He said the same people seem to be going around in the same car, trying cars with about a 10% success rate. You can see from the CCTV, they came to our road a couple hours earlier. They tried the neighbor's Jaguar just down the road. He says, I think the car manufacturers need to do something. If they can't get the technology right, then they need to take a step back and offer keys again. The theft is one of a string of similar incidents in Sutton Coldfield and Erdington in the past week or so. A BMW 3 Series was stolen from Padstow Road in the Pape Hayes area of Erdington last Thursday, October 14th, where the thieves also used a relay device, and a red Ford Fiesta ST was taken from a drive in Harmon Road in Wild Green, Sutton Coldfield, shortly after 2 a.m. on Tuesday, October 19th. Anyway, I recommend you go check out that link and watch the footage. You can get a really clear picture of the guy scanning the front door area for the signal from the key fob. The next story is entitled Two Cars in a New Canaan Driveway, each with spare key to the other inside, were stolen last week, according to police. It's written by Doug Stewart of Fox 61 out of New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm sure I'm pronouncing this completely wrong, but it's C-A-N-A-A-N. Uh, so it says two cars in a driveway, each with a spare key to the other inside, were stolen last week, according to police. Police said they were called to a home for a report of two vehicles being stolen on October 21st. The officials said that the 2018 Subaru Impreza and a 2015 Audi Q3 were stolen. The owner told police a spare for each vehicle was in the opposite car, and the owner stated that both vehicles were locked. Police said it was likely the key fobs detected the unlock button on the side of the door since it was in close proximity to the vehicle. Security footage from the homeowner showed the two suspects taking the vehicles just before 4 a.m. A credit card that was in one of the stolen vehicles was used in Hamden, according to police. The lesson, don't leave fobs in vehicles, even if it's not 
the vehicle that it belongs to, don't leave them next to walls or anywhere where they could be scanned. Four sales this week. First up, a new sale at Peterson's, thinkpeterson.com. Today's special, a six-day sale on the Mayor pick set. This is one of our top sellers. We are offering it to you as a trick-or-treat special. $25 off on this $99 item. Use the code H1V00D2579QM. That's Hotel 1 Victor 00 Delta 2579er Quebec Mike. No minimum requirement. Expires November 4th, 2021. And there'll be a link to that set in the show notes. They are also still having the closeout sale on their hydrometer picks, the ones they have left. Individual picks, only $6.50 each. Looks like the sale is still going on at Matt's Lot Pit, as of the recording of this episode anyway. I'm not sure how long it's going, but it is still going while I'm recording this. You can get 10% off at 3dlocksport.com with the code LSCAST10. You can get 15% off at makolocks.com with the code BYMAKO. And you can get 10% off at uklockpickers.co.uk with the code GIFT. For giveaways this week, same as last week, Joe Picks has the Purple Belt and 100 Subscriber Giveaway. Hashtag Joe Picks Double Giveaway. I went over the rules to that last week. I'll just have a link in the show notes if you want to go check it out this week. Same with Dr. Hogmaster, having the Dr. Hogmaster's Sesquincentscriber Pick a Lock Wrong Giveaway of Dimple Picks and Locks. I'm not going to go through it all again, but you can go to the link in the show notes or just go to their channels to check out those giveaways. If you're into giveaways and free stuff, be sure to check out CLK Supplies hashtag LockBoss giveaways that they do every week. I'm not endorsed by them. I just know that a lot of people enjoy free stuff. And so I'm putting it here. Go check it out. Remember, this show needs your support. So send me any information you have that's LockSport related. Even if you don't think it's important, send it anyway. Let me decide if it's important or not, or if it goes with something I'm already working on might just be the last bit of information I need to put a story together. If not, no harm done. I really appreciate all the support from all of the community members. And remember, everyone, to please keep it legal. In today's episode, Ilkal Salatar. In today's episode, Ilkal Salatar. Ilkal Salatar. Ilkal Salatar. 